This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi-de-ho, I'm Uno Clay from Philadelphia, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. In a world torn apart by angry pundits and ceaselessly acerbic news, the cheerful tone of Gen X Grown Up is always a welcome escape, not to mention endlessly entertaining, and sometimes even informative. If you want to support the show too, click on genxgrownup.com slash Patreon and toss them a couple bucks. It's the guaranteed way to gain the respect of your peers and immediate promotions at work. Not guaranteed in all 50 states. Some employers may see fit to demote you and your peers will probably find you weird and distasteful. Results may vary. You are warned. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. Wouldn't be a show without George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know, four decades ago, Kevin Flynn had to fight for his very existence after being scanned into cyberspace by an evil computer program. (laughs) This fantasy film was not only a thrilling adventure, but also helped lay the groundwork for the digital movie magic that seems so commonplace today. In this episode, we remember the impact and legacy of the 1982 Generation X classic, Tron. Mm. There may be no movie that more exemplifies the Gen X era than Tron, in my opinion. I mean, there's Goonies, which I love, and that's, you know, a life in the moment (laughs) Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. But Tron feels 80s Gen X all the way through it. Especially the technological aspect of it. It looks and feels, yeah, it Mm -hmm. almost smells like the neon (laughs) from Gen X. Like my leg warmers were the same color as my Tron outfit, you know? All right, there's a lot to talk about in Tron. Before we get into that, you know, we love to first hear from our fourth listener. The three of us always hear the show. If anybody else does, you are the fourth listener. The fourth listener this episode is recently new patron Cat. Hey, hey. Welcome to the Cool Kids Club. That's right. Oh, how sweet. She's, she's going to love that. She's going to love that. <laughs> the subject line of her message is OMG and head exploding emoji. Okay. Oh, wow. We got an emoji in the subject. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Wait, she's going to start okay. with George was right, does she? Oh, God, no, please. No, 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 We're not doing that two, <laughs> two shows in a row. In a row? Okay. No, Come no, on, absolutely. No. My head would explode. I have limits. You'd be the emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Cat says, listening to the Rewind for Saturday Morning Cartoons oh, episode. That was a fun oh, one. Yeah. okay. Mo just said, time for timer. Oh, yeah. And a mini explosion occurred in my brain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I went immediately to YouTube to figure out why. And oh, my gosh, all uppercase, it all came rushing back. Each of that wacky little guy's dietary suggestion songs that were buried deep. Please thank Mo for providing me with that. So, Mo from Cat, thank you. Oh, anytime. 
Remember the wagon wheel he made with like cheese and mm-hmm. something else? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Two crackers and some cheese. Yep, two. That's Look, right. A wagon Ritz wheel. Crackers. Yep. <laughs> oh, a hanker for a hunka, a slap, a slice, a chunka. A hanker for a hunka of cheese. Oh, I'd lost a lot of timer. Absolutely. Yep. Oh yeah. She wraps it up saying, "By the way, I totally made the toothpick popsicles one time out of orange juice, inspired by timer." <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm telling you, every time somebody mentions time for timer, I want to go find an ice cube tray. I don't even have an ice cube tray anymore. I want to go to the store, buy an ice cube tray, (laughs) fill it full of whatever the hell, put toothpicks and plastic wrap and you're set. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I totally did that too. I'm guessing you both did at some point, right? You got to try. Oh yeah. I was so pissed when they didn't turn into the little sun symbol like they did in the cartoon. Yeah. When he holds (laughs) it up. Where's the truth in advertising timer? And they don't come out quite as good as you expect. No, but between, Time for Timer and Louis the Lifeguard, I had a lot of fun with Saturday morning food groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And they were teaching us stuff. It was they educational. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Louis the Lifeguard is nice. happy to say I've rescued a drowning potato today. <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember that one. I remember Timer well. I got well. that oh, shit memorized. <laughs> like Mo with the preamble from Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> That's right. You might have just blown up Cat's brain again because you mentioned Louis the Lifeguard. You might have another one here. Mm-hmm. Cat, hope. thank you so much for writing into the show. We love it every time a fourth listener chooses to write into us and tell us how something we talked about sparked a memory for them or that we screwed up or maybe, maybe even if George is right, you can tell us that too, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> if you would like your email featured here on the show, it's drop dead easy. You can just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com and read every single one and most of them, like Cat's, eventually will make the show. All right, it's time to head to Flynn's Arcade when we get back from this quick break. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Who's that guy? That's Tron. Trapped inside an electronic arena where love... Escape. Do not compute. The journey begins across an electronic sea on cycles made of light. Tron. Enter its world this summer. It's time to talk about the 1982 film Tron. Look, it's been 40 years since Tron <laughs> hit the theaters, guys. Wow. So many of these we talk about are hitting on these 35 and 40 year anniversary. Yeah, so shouldn't be surprising. But even when I hear it, you look back at it, and this is one of those films that it was more than just a great film. It was a film that laid the groundwork for what films became later. Yeah. I, yeah. I would even argue that it suffered so that other films could benefit oh, from absolutely. it. Like it was the it's first a- to tread a lot of ground. You look at it now and maybe it could have done better, but for the time it was absolutely mm. 
mind blowing. You don't even agree yeah, with that, George? You think it's still so there? We're we're, yeah. we're close to fighting already. <laughs> okay, well, it might <laughs> happen. Yeah. I'll go ahead and tell you before Mo even reads the synopsis to us. I'll tell you, it's not my favorite Gen X oh, era movie. I like yeah. it. It's not one it of my favorites. Your favorite? Right. I mean, I'm okay with it not being your favorite, but it right. should be up there. Not right? being one of your favorites. Yeah, I, but... I think it has problems. I think it has script problems. Oh, I think it has fuck. acting problems. It has. But, fuck but, you, I, Goonies anyway. boy. I'm telling you. <laughs> No. But on the off, I have seen it though. So on the off chance that our listener hasn't seen it, Mo, why don't you tell him the brief synopsis before we (laughs) jump in to celebrating Tron? Okay. Hacker arcade owner Kevin Flynn is digitally broken down into a data stream by a villainous software pirate known as Master Control and Mm. reconstituted into the internal 3D graphical world of computers, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the landscapes of cyberspace, Flynn joins forces with security program Tron to outmaneuver the Master Control program that holds them captive. Mm. So, little shout out, Flynn's arcade on the video. Oh, is your shirt? Yep. Yes. Oh, I want that shirt. I want that shirt. They're easy to get. They're all over the place. I I'm think I grabbed one. this one from Amazon. No, no. I take that back. One of my kids found this for me at one of those music stores, Suncoast or Hot Tropic oh, or right. one yep. of those things. Yep. Yeah. Oh, somebody's got. Yeah. Okay. That, that synopsis really helped me because I went back and rewatched the film as we <laughs> often do before we look at these. And one of the things that I was didn't like about Tron is that I found the plot to be a little hard to follow and convoluted. Maybe the first two or three times that you what? watch it. What's hard it's, to follow know, about it? It's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. A guy who got screwed by a corporate yeah, bigwig Megacorp. exec. Right. He gets thrown into a world because the corporate bigwig exec's private program gets worried about what he's trying to do to right. reestablish his name in the company. And he has to survive in order to get out to expose the corruption at a corporation. It's perfect for the there 1980s. That was perfect, George. That was a perfect now, explanation. I think the plot itself makes sense. There, there are concepts <laughs> that they just throw at you. You've got to figure out. At least talk about programs and users, and they don't explain yeah. that. That's a whole new concept that you have to you have to kind of dig into to figure out like, oh, I get it. Each so, user has a program. This program is the user to that. In yeah. the time frame, I understand why maybe at the first viewing, you might have been a little bit bewildered. But this is a mm. movie for me that was much like Star Wars was for Mo. I went and saw this thing like 15 times really? in the wow. theater. Wow. And on multiple viewings, all of that stuff crystallizes very quickly. And <laughs> if you've now had the opportunity to watch it multiple times through the different formats, you know, streaming or DVD mm-hmm. or VHS or whatever that you might've watched it on, I really can't see where it's a hard thing to follow. And <laughs> Even when it was on first viewing, it's what drew you into the story, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I agree. I I didn't find the story hard to follow either, quite personally. <laughs> I mean, guy gets screwed over by Big Corp, like you said, and mm-hmm. he's trying to break into the computer, and then the computer's artificially intelligent, of course, and defending itself, mm-hmm. it sucks him in, so it could kill him. I mean, yeah, yeah. what's just that? You know, I'm picking up on a two against one scenario for this entire podcast, <laughs> oh, yeah. but that's okay. That's I, okay. I with you're me. Right. right versus wrong. That's the way I see it. <laughs> oh goodness, Mo, don't call yourself wrong this early. Wait and hear all the evidence. <laughs> All right. So we've given a synopsis. We've yeah. given our opinions of the general storyline, but we also mm-hmm. need to talk about the actors and yeah. the characters that they played in oh, this yeah. film yeah. because every single one of them in their own way, in their own right is classic jeff bridges first of all jeff bridges as flynn and mo you found this out he was also even in this movie back then in tron i don't remember this factoid but he was listed in the credits as clue which is the character later on in the Mm -hmm. sequel that's his program right Mm -hmm. yeah which they never actually 
bring up apparently, but yeah, that's what they have in the credits. Might have been deleted. Yeah, it could have been deleted scene, that's for sure. To John's point earlier, most of the time, the programs that Flynn encounters in the computer world, they are representations of their users that created them. Because mm-hmm. in Tron's world, every program is created by somebody, so it takes on the likeness of the person who created it. And that's right. why you have the actors playing dual roles. So I'm assuming that when Flynn is introduced into the world, he's portraying himself as a program to kind of mm-hmm. figure out you know, who he can What's trust on, and who right. he can't. I don't ever remember them mentioning the name Clue during either. any of those segments. Maybe it's an out piece or something that was yeah, left on an mm-hmm. editor floor. Maybe it could be for sure. Or maybe it's just that it's so confusing you forgot. That could oh, be fuck off. <laughs> okay. It's about to be a two-man podcast i could tell you that right now (laughs) (laughs) wow it's getting harsh in the tron world right now before i get kicked out let's move on to talk about an actor that we can all agree on is amazing bruce boxleitner oh yeah i mean not only in tron where this was not even an early role for him he had had stuff before then he was already established yeah and he went on later and he's in the scarecrow and mrs king he was the Mm -hmm. captain of babylon five for heaven's sake he's been in the orville recently yeah and he played Mm -hmm. both the human alan who is a friend of Flynn's. And then he plays the protagonist of this entire story that happens inside the computer, Tron, the right. name of the of the film. That's the only slight problem that I had with any part of this movie. It's named Tron. It's named for this character, but I would still argue 100% that Flynn is the main protagonist of the story. Yeah, but a movie mm. called Flynn wouldn't sell. No, I think you're right. It wouldn't have the same yeah. joie de vivre that Tron yeah, did. Exactly. Nor would a movie called Clue, if you called it that. C-L-U, right? There was a movie called Clue. Yeah, with an E on the end, yes, yes, but that would be confusing let's not do that <laughs> no but you're right bruce boxleitner i thought he was really mm-hmm. solid in his role he didn't have a ton of time on screen because like i said this is mostly a flynn story it's kind of a flynn movie yeah yeah mm-hmm. but he was very impactful when he was on the screen yeah mm-hmm. and i think he's i i can see why you would highlight him as the hero of the film really the the central focus because Flynn relies upon Tron to get mm-hmm. what he needs to get done. And ultimately, Flynn is cheating in this world. He's a user. Right. Right. Tron is the one that actually overcomes his own programming to be able to accomplish what he needs. So in many ways, he's more heroic. But I also love how Tron doesn't trust Flynn throughout the first third of the film. Right. Like yeah. Tron is like... Nah, this guy's after my female program counterpart over here. <laughs> to hell with this guy. <laughs> yeah, men will be men. <laughs> They're all dogs. <laughs> yep. Um, we also have to bring up like the big bad guy in this, David Warner, who oh. played Dillinger. Which bad guy? All the bad guys. Well, all the bad <laughs> guys. He was. He, he was all, all three, the yeah. bad guys. You know, he was the MCP. He played Sark. I mean, he played all the bad guys. Was yep. the world the one Dillinger, guy? Dillinger, the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy who really stole the work from Flynn in the first place to get himself promoted to CEO. Yep. Oh, yeah. In fact, he just died this year, actually. Did Warner die this year? Did David Warner? Oh, God damn 2022. Jesus, leave us alone. It's not been great. Killing people left and right. I'm tired of this year. It's too many. Mm. But yeah, but he's also had a great career before and after that. I mean, he's done voice work, TV shows. I mean, he's, you look at, go to IMDb, his credit list just goes on and on. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Chancellor Gorkin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Six, Undiscovered right? Country. I mean, that's yeah. one of my favorite roles of his. And <laughs> I really loved his Sark character in here because the character goes between two extremes of being like 
in charge and a dictator of 90% of the computer world, but also mm-hmm. subservient and cowardly of the MCP. Right. Well, the MCP has his life in his hands. Like he literally mm-hmm. nearly kills him several times and says, yep. all right, you can be alive a little longer. But yeah, pretty much MCP who started life as a chess program, I'll point out. So <laughs> all his chess nerds have it in them to become a dictator, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> as we've been hearing lately too. Yeah, right. I, you've also got Cindy Morgan. She plays... The prototypical love interest in the film, she plays Laura Mm -hmm. slash Yori, and both names are kind of hard to figure out which one's the person, which one's the computer when you think about it. But she was a solid, serviceable character. I liked that she got involved. I wish in today's modern viewpoint, they had made her a stronger female lead. Mm -hmm. I think that would have served the story well. You know, this is the 1980s when, unfortunately, a lot of women and female characters were not getting their just due in big time pictures. And they spent a lot of money on this Disney, you know, they had to make sure that they followed the norm to make sure that this had the widest audience possible, considering all the risks they took on Mm -hmm, all the other mm -hmm. parts of the movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's also Barnard Hughes. Uh, he played Dr. Gibbs and Dumont. And oh, yeah. for those who don't know, you will totally recognize him as Grandpa from the Lost Boys. I was just thinking that. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. that's Lost Boys Grandpa. Exactly. Lost, Every Lost time. Boys Grandpa. And once yeah. you know that, yep. you, you can picture his face in a thousand other shows because he's yeah. been all that over the place. That actor is almost a caricature of a character actor. There's something yeah. about him and his voice is just a little bit squeaky kind of, you know, and he's With like- a little he's bit got of the, cigarette smoke thrown in it. Yes. Yeah, right. And like, exactly. and like, the, <laughs> like the, the scruffy mustache, the salt and pepper scruffy mustache the beard, beard. kind of yeah. yeah like you can tell like he really yeah. doesn't want to shave to hell with all these young people and their fancy razors <laughs> and of course i bought him as dr gibbs but as dumont he's like he's sitting on this lazy susan stuck in this right. thing and he kind of right. and he's like in the the sphinx thing with his head popping out of it right it just felt like something out of a Sid and Marty Croft super show. It didn't feel like a major motion <laughs> picture. It's like, oh, it's the trash heap from Fraggle Rock. Just hands <laughs> in the face, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know, you've also got a couple of subservient characters that run around with Flynn through part of it. You've got mm-hmm. Dan Shore as Ram. Yeah. And then you've got another Babylon 5 guy, Peter Jurassic as Crom. Oh, he was Londo in, in B5. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, wow. Right? Yep. But uh, you, you look at him in this, and if you hadn't seen B5 yet, you can't see who he is. No, no, but no. When you see no. B5 and then you watch this you can close see to it, you're like, yep. holy hell, he's the same guy. I, I love Peter Jurassic. He's always yep. been a great character. I loved that those two characters were kind of Flynn's support mechanism in this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ram, unfortunately, you know, he dies. Right. Yep. And it's spoiler you know, alert. Sad 40 years moment. ago. <laughs> 40 years spoiler alert. For, for the person who hasn't seen it. Right. Yep. But really fun, fun little characters there that had, you mm-hmm. know, 10, 15 minutes worth of screen time and really advanced the storyline. Yeah. And and these are a couple of characters who you never see their users. You only see True. the programs and it's, they're the window into the world, right? So in the others, like you get to meet Alan and then later you see Tron. And of course, Flynn is Flynn, but he comes in, mm-hmm. but these guys live in that world. So they don't have an ulterior motive. Even Tron, he's like a, he's basically a virus program. He's trying to fix the problem that's in the right. computer, you know? Right. So, but these guys are just rank and file dudes. They got sucked up into the MCP's totalitarian dictatorship. So you get to see the world through their eyes. And really that's how Flynn and Tron get to understand what's going on with Sark and the MCP and everything. So they, they serve a really important purpose, even though a little bit tragic. Yeah. Yeah. And even though Lori Yora is what most people consider the bonding force between Tron and Flynn, mm. truthfully, these two guys in the situations that happened to them, because Crom, he dies in the rings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And yeah, yeah. Ram yeah, dies in the 
chase with the with the monitor tank thing flying around. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And those significant moments bind Flynn to the world emotionally and Tron to Flynn when Ram dies. So those things really develop the emotional states of Flynn and Tron because Tron is very emotionless at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. and Flynn is bewildered. He doesn't really understand why he should care about these programs at all because he's a programmer. He's like the ultimate programmer. He's mm -hmm. the guy who built all this stuff. So it's nice to see both characters develop feelings and, and emotions that draw them into the consequences of what's going on. A lot of key talent that was already, in many ways, already established and went on to have a great career beyond that. When we get back from this next break, though, there's another talented guy that took the reins when we come back and talk about the history and origin of Tron. Stick around. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Mom, look. Just like the end Sunday's paper. Enter the world of Tron with the Scott Paper Scott Tron sweepstakes. What can we win? A family vacation for four to Hollywood and Walt Disney Studios where the new movie Tron was created. Fantastic! And thousands of other prizes like in television game consoles plus money-saving coupons. And get a free Tron t-shirt iron-on with the purchase of two participating Scott brands. Look for details on the Scott display at participating stores. Oftentimes, we like to talk about the history or the origin of a thing that we're talking mm -hmm. about in the backtrack. In this case, it's a movie. Sometimes it's an album or a piece of technology. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, we all contribute to the card and finding the different facts that we want to talk about. However, in this particular case, because I was super busy with work this week and John was mm -hmm. super busy with everything else Gen X grown up, <laughs> Bo actually filled out 90% of this card and the mm -hmm. factoids to it. And I just want to take a moment to kind of apologize for calling bullshit on you last week so much. <laughs> and thank you for doing the work in this one, because while I love Tron and I have my mm -hmm. Flynn shirt on and I'm a big fan of it, you can't always remember all the facts of how oh, yeah. this kind yep. of a thing came to be, because it didn't really necessarily start in 1982 when we got to see the film. A right. lot of this started years before. And Mo, I think one of the most interesting parts is talking about the director, Steven Lisberger. Mm -hmm. I only recognize his name from this one. <laughs> from <film>. Tron. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, if you look at his credits on MTV, it's all like Tron stuff. The games, the mm. upright, the mm. movies, and he's written mm -hmm. some other stuff. But really, this is pretty much it. I mean, this wow. is all he's done. He's the Tron guy. Um, the funny thing <laughs> is that you look back, he was he wrote the original Tron. And he got the, he got the inspiration in 1976 when he saw Pong. And really? Wow. Yep. He got into video games. And he said, there's, I guess he saw a movie in there somehow with all this technology and where it was going. And so that's when he actually started working on the ideas like that long ago. You know, I always thought when I watched Tron that when they use their discs to bounce things back and forth at each other, mm -hmm. it felt Pongish to me. Yeah. Oh, good point. I mm. never thought about that. You're right. I yeah. guess maybe that's where he that's, got the yeah. inspiration as mm -hmm. he crafted his story over those years between 76 and 82. I mean, even the rings 
you know, you're talking about it. Like Pong only had squares <laughs> because yeah. it couldn't have rings, but you always felt like it was a round square. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the future, we have circles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and later when he's trying to take down the MCP, it's a little breakouty where he's trying to knock down mm-hmm. the, the shields yeah. that are in right. front of the MCP cone, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I could see all that. He wouldn't be the first guy that tried to imagine what it would be like to be inside of an arcade machine. I can tell you. <laughs> I see, yeah. <laughs> so, let's not talk about that other movie. <laughs> uh, we're all thinking, I don't want to say it. Anyway, but yeah, and originally he thought it was going to be like an animated film because basically he, the uh, thing was that, well, that technology-wise, we weren't there to do it. Right. You couldn't mm-hmm. have pulled off the stuff in live real world that you needed to, and turns out they could. Yeah. just took him a few years to get there. <laughs> it took him a long time. A whole <laughs> bunch of studios rejected it, of course, because they're like, eh, computer thing. Um, and finally, Disney decided to back it, and they backed it because they he did like a little short film to kind of show like what it could really? be. Mm. Showed it to Disney. They thought it had potential. They decided to back it, and they kind of greenlit it and put some Man, money behind now, it. And now I really want to go find that short film. Yeah, no, really. That's I want to see what inspired to see Disney. Yeah, okay. no. to, to make right. Disney say, yeah, we'll give you $17 million. And back in, you know, back in 82. <laughs> right. $17 million on a sci-fi film in 82. Yeah. I mean. Based on video games. Uh, yeah, no. right. That's right <laughs> in the heart of the video game revolution. I yeah. don't. I mean, maybe if you have a forward thinking executive, maybe I could see that pitch going. But I can see why it got rejected so often. Oh, man, me too. Or a Pac-Man game executive who really is a fan of video games. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it's going to take. But I can mention, they gave him $17 and it was actually a moderate success. I mean, it made $33 in theaters. Okay, so it almost doubled its budget. Almost doubled the money. I mean, again, I think they say three times considered successful, three times your budget is considered a successful movie. But Uh, it made double. Really? But it made double, which, Hmm. you know, again, it was like it was a brand new type of film. A lot breaking a lot of ground. I mean, break my heart. Give me sixty million dollars. Shut the fuck up. Really? <laughs> that that's not that successful. That and that's also <laughs> only in uh, theaters. So you know, afterwards, when DVDs came out and VHS tapes, I'm sure it did. Oh, it's made oh, its money back now. On that too. The yeah. aftermarket had oh, to yeah, have it rushed it for Disney. The market, yeah. marketing, the merchandising. I'm sure it made quite a bit of money. I would bet Tron absolutely helped solidify Disney during a lot of lean years because you guys know yeah. I love Tron so much. I've got this Flynn T-shirt. Like to talk about. I've got these super nice. 30th anniversary action figures. Mm. Even Disney, when they do those little Mickey mini things with the Mickey ears in the same body and they paint them differently. They yeah. have like oh, a right. set yeah. of Tron. I have all eight of those. They have a set of Tron of those? Oh, Yeah, it's got some that. from the original film and some from <laughs> the sequel. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the film actually was released July 9th, 1982. Mm. 1982. Everyone take a moment. Think where you were back in 1980, <laughs> summer of 1982. I know where I was. I was in that theater watching Tron. That's where watching I was. Watching Tron over and over again. <laughs> yep. Well, I found people reference the fact, as you said, Mo, it was successful yeah. and it got positive reviews, but the people that did criticize it kind of said what I said. They said the visuals groundbreaking, right. but they criticized the acting and the storyline as being incoherent. Now that that's a bit, I don't know if I call it yeah. incoherent. I just said I was a little confused, <laughs> but even then it, it received some criticism for the performances and a little bit for the story. And this guy was not, I mean, he's not Steven Spielberg, right? He's not no, the right. greatest storyteller ever. Um, and you even said, uh, George, on subsequent viewings, it's very crystal clear what's going on. Yeah. I just, I remember being initially confused because I'm like, well, isn't that the same guy? He looks like the same guy. And then you have to figure <laughs> out, well, he is the same guy, the actor, but he's the program, he's the is the user or whatever. But I wasn't alone, apparently, in being confused by that. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I wasn't alone in feeling that way. No, I honestly, I I'm not going to say that you or the critics are hundred percent wrong. No. I disagree if anybody says it's not a good film, 
but saying that certain aspects of the film could have been better, like the acting, oh, yeah. because sure. truthfully, mm-hmm. I like Bruce Boxleitner a lot. Mm-hmm. He's a little flat in several scenes in this yeah. movie. Kind of dry. Yeah. And I could see that if the user, Bruce Boxleitner, Alan One character, was flat, but then Tron needed to be more animated or vice versa. One or the other, because yeah. when you have a human being playing two different characters, you need to distinguish those characters apart a little yeah. bit more. Like um, what Tatiana Ali did so well in Orphan Black. Oh, She's the God. same oh, actress, right. yeah, yeah. like yeah. 40 different characters, <laughs> but <laughs> every character feels different. They yeah. were not as successful in right. Tron trying to do that. Maybe it's because it's one of the early films of that kind of a thing. Maybe the writing could have been, I mean, the writing could have been better. I mean, the, the movie writing could have been better I mean, for the, sure. The movie definitely had flaws, but yeah. like I said, I still enjoy it and still do. So mm-hmm. I get the feeling that majority of effort was probably not focused on fine tuning the script. That was not the linchpin <laughs> that was going to make this a successful film. This was based around, Hey, we're going to do something revolutionary. We're going to do this CGI thing. So I expect every extra CPU cycle of brains <laughs> thinking was said, what can we do to make the graphics better, to make the CGI better, yeah. to make those things? That's, that's what the focus was. And so I always felt like it kind of eclipses the rest of, if it was a super strong script that it could not be eclipsed. But I think really when people think of Tron, they don't think about, wow, revolutionary storytelling. No, they think about revolutionary production. You know, yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that's kind of where I, that's the side I come down on. And you're right. I would never say it's a bad movie. I enjoy it. I enjoyed rewatching it just the other day. But I still have that same feeling of like, oh, yeah, I wish you'd explain this better. I wish the original, like, I don't know how old I was, 15 year old me or whatever, could have understood it right away to start with. But I, I couldn't because of that kind of how it sold. Well, I, mean, I think that's a perfect segue, though. You're talking about what it was most well known for. And even to this day are the technical achievements. And yeah. mm-hmm. we really need to spend an entire segment of this podcast talking about oh, yeah. it. So we should do that right after we come back from the break. That's a great Mm -hmm. idea. Perfect. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Not every great movie or great arcade game makes a great home video game. That's why when Mattel Electronics turned Tron into Tron Home Video Games, we made sure the excitement of Tron gameplay found its way into your home. You'll know it the moment you square off against a recognizer, if you last that long. Four great Tron games, two for Intellivision, two for Atari 2600. From Mattel Electronics, games as good as we say they are, maybe better. As George said right before the break, we were kind of kind of tap dancing around the, the CGI heavy nature <laughs> of Tron. And so because that's really what this film is most known for, we're going to spend some time here talking about just how how I don't think you could overstate how revolutionary Tron oh was God. to the entire industry of filmmaking mm. and special effects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was to the point where actually some of the Disney animators wouldn't work on it because they felt it's going to take their they're taking their jobs away. <laughs> really, because they were worried about computers taking yeah, they were their jobs. About computers coming in and mm. doing the work. You and know, they said, that it's not was a little bit and- prophetic. 
because yeah, there were oh, a yeah. hell of a lot more animators back then yep. than there are now due to the computers. Yeah. Yep. But the funny thing was that they still needed a lot of the old fashioned animators because a lot of the non CGI stuff was hand painted, like onto yes. film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they used to do all of it that way, right? Back in the That's day. That's crazy. And you can see so many different methods of getting stuff done. Yeah. I see Luma key and Chroma key stuff of actors mm-hmm. shot on, on film. I see what are clearly hand drawn animation. I think of the, I don't know what the spiders are called, but the little robotic spiders. That right, uh, yeah. they clone. like that's clearly like Disney animation. Like that's not yeah. even computer generated. <laughs> and then you see stuff that's clearly computer generated, like the light cycles and the recognizers and stuff that are and, and the the landscapes, all that kind of stuff. I, I even like the fact that I, I I don't know if that's how they did it, but I always thought of like their suits that have the patterns on them, like mm-hmm. like digital oh, patterns. Cool. Like it looks like it had reflective tape. Like I'm working, I'm holding a sign on the on the on the highway, you know, oh, yeah. road closed ahead. That reflective tape is all over their outfits, so the camera just gets blasted with light from those little spots and it really makes it pop. I mean, it kind of was that if you've watched any of the documentaries that have been Is done it? on the film, it's like they pull out, there's a one that's on Disney plus right now where they go back and somebody pulls out one of the old costumes from the Disney archives. Oh, really? And they're being super hands-on careful with it because mm-hmm. it's yeah. literally brittle and breaking apart, <laughs> oh, man. but it's amazing when they look at that stuff and they're like, yeah, you can see where the tape is peeled up here. Oh, is it? And okay. stuff. So it is yeah. reflective tape. That's what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. maybe the kind of reflective tape you might have mm-hmm. on a, like a construction worker thing, but yep. it's that same kind of idea. And it's amazing to think we live in a, in a world now where gigabyte, petabyte, terabyte, those <laughs> oh, yeah. are the terms we go by for storage. Now the effects for this movie <laughs> took up a whole two megabytes of memory and 330 <laughs> megabytes of storage. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I have an episode of Ren and Stimpy that's under 330 <laughs> megabytes. <laughs> And this was a film full of digital effects. Holy yeah. most. I mean, we were talking last week, John, you got a little mini PC on the back of your monitor, 16 oh, yeah. gig of 16 RAM. Gig. That's right. This yeah. thing took two meg of RAM. <laughs> you know, as I was doing some other research on this and you know, back then computers could not do animation. They had to do a frame at a time. Frame at a time. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. They frame. couldn't do real time animation. Right. And so they said each frame, some of the frames took little hours for the computer yeah. to generate. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, I, how many frames are in this? I mean, was it 20 <laughs> frames in the film? Was it 20 frames a second in film? 24 frames per second. 24 frames yeah. per motion pictures. Yeah. Over, oh, I can't imagine. I mean, that must, oh my God. Imagine being the person running that computer. That would just oh. drive me crazy. You set that render up and go home and come back and you have, hoo four seconds. Or right. you look back and it's not good. <laughs> Shit. You know, you do it oh, again. Oh, no. Do it again. Yeah. And the other thing was that, you know, we talk about all the CGI. In the whole movie, there's only about 15 minutes of CGI. There's right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the thing that throws most people off because today CGI is so commonplace. Oh, yeah. I've had people try to convince me, yeah, more than half that movie is CGI. Nope. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yep. It's so much animation like you guys were talking about earlier. Practical effects like the tape on the suits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think about some of the stuff that they did with those practical effects. The suits, John, I everybody always talks about those. I loved when they have scenes where the suits change based on the physical condition of oh, this yeah. wearer of the cool. suit. Oh, right, right. Sark is cool. screaming and it pulses yeah. red. Right. Or, or like when uh, Rom is dying and mm-hmm. the suit and is fading. Yeah. Well, that the tape, did, they didn't change the tape as it pulses. <laughs> yeah. That's something yeah. they had to do mechanically to with the yeah. film. Oh, just beautiful, beautiful work that they did on yeah. that movie. And here's the thing that's most sad about this movie. It was not put up for special effects for the Academy Awards. Because Bullshit. 
They really? Because they felt computers was cheating. Fuck the Academy. Now, see, I was saying earlier, right? This thing, Tron suffered the <laughs> early growing pains of computer animation. It, it, it overshadowed the story, but it also, it took its lumps, right? Yeah. That's not the case anymore. You're like, oh, would no, you imagine you movie. not getting re- nominated for an effects Oscar because you have computer effects? Everything's yeah. computer effects Everything. now. <laughs> no, nobody would get an Oscar. Just It's just done, right? It's just like every movie Who was that that made that decision? at that academy meeting it was disney That's- animators probably <laughs> right? trying to save yourself <laughs> i really love the scenes where it's clear they had all right uh we're gonna stack three boxes and a ramp you guys run around on it we're gonna make it look like computers later right <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll draw some lines and some glowy stuff and clearly they're stepping on just set pieces boxes right. probably some crate but they make it convincing and, and realistic. And especially there's a scene right around the middle ish where they find like a lake of power. Oh, it's right, energy, right, right. It's water. Right. And they're all running around this kind of almost like a little like parkour, parkour. They're running around this area and then they <laughs> right. find the water and they drink it out of their, their Frisbees, you know, but that's one that I really appreciate it because I think production wise, I'm like, man, so they had to line that up and make sure they mm-hmm. rotoscoped it right. Then later come back and paint, not paint over the people. And that's the kind of stuff that it doesn't look perfect, but man, it looks great for the day. And everybody else just springboarded off of theirs. Yeah. yeah. In my mind today, when I see those scenes, it makes me laugh because I'm sure that that's exactly what people do now when they have their green screen motion capture parts of a mm-hmm. modern movie. Yeah. It's just like a square block or a flat mm-hmm. ramp or something for them to run on. And then these animators make these digital amazing environments on top of it. But that's just what Tron had. It's like, nope, everything's square and blocky. This is bitmap. This is what yeah. we're going with. And they did so much with it. The finished product in Tron looks like the raw footage today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the pre-production footage. You know, I talked about the fact that they use the, the discs, right? Which yeah. are basically, mm-hmm. look like Frisbees. They're Frisbees with a they reflective were. tape oh, on yeah, them, yeah. kind yeah, of, yeah. right? And it was interesting that, so they're called laser discs. Mm-hmm. And the director wanted to use those because he didn't want to use just like, you know, phasers or blasters or whatever we'd seen in sci-fi before because he didn't want kids emulating that kind of play, like with guns, running right. around shooting right. people. And so he figured the worst case, maybe a kid would get hit in the head with a Frisbee. Maybe that'd be all right. <laughs> maybe not so bad. And probably happened a lot, I and bet. Pro- it, oh, it yeah. did in my neighborhood. I clocked the shit out of some of my neighborhood <laughs> friends. I can see George beating people with Frisbees. I can see that oh, yeah. too because he threw rocks at people too. So. You know what's an interesting note between Tron and the sequel? Mm-hmm. The discs changed. And I don't mean in the way that you might think like they got more modern and cooler looking and CGI or anything. The discs in Tron were Frisbees. If you, John, that scene you're talking about where they went to the water and they scooped yeah. it mm-hmm. up in their discs, yeah. one side of the Frisbee is convex and the other side is concave so they can yeah. hold the water. Look at the discs in the new movie. They're rounded out. There's no hollow part. They're like flying saucers, anymore. aren't they? They're like a little flying saucer. It's domed Kinda. on both sides. Yeah. like solid discs. Yeah. Like they're not, exactly. Got yep. it. Got it. Yep. Interesting. Yep. They also did a lot of like nods, like you said, to like other video games. Like you said, it seems like some of the things seem like Breakout and all this, but there actually is a Pac-Man cameo in it. Okay. Oh yeah, he's on Sark's screen. I he's remember that. Screen. Yep. And you, yep. know, in the, you hear the Pac-Man sound in the background. In the background. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I actually saw for myself when I saw the film. I remember I'm like, we freaking Pac-Man because they stay on that shot for a while. It's not yeah. just like a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> little waka waka in the background, too. So one of the fact that I found that was really funny was that it was originally supposed to be released at Christmas because I guess they had a whole Christmas thing with March merchandising and stuff planned for it. Oh, yeah, it makes okay. sense. But they decided to move it to the summer. And here's the reason. Don Bluth used to work for them. He's an animator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dragon's I know Dragon. Don Bluth. You know yeah. Don Bluth. 
Yes, movie. Dragon Slayer guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Dragon Slayer guy. So his first big movie was coming out, The Secret of Nim, in July yes. of that year. And he said some bad comments about Tron before it was released. And so they got oh. pissed off. So they released it the same time The Secret of Nim went out. Oh, mm. they were trying to purposely compete to yep. tank his movie. Directly. Wow. Hit him in the wallet. Yep. Ouch. And apparently I think it Take worked. That, it, took, it did better than uh, Secret of Nim did the first weekend. Did so I guess yeah. it did something to it. That's how spiteful they are, huh? I mean, Secret of Nim <laughs> is a fun film, but it's not Tron. No. It's kind of depressing, That's actually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that one later, but it's kind of depressing. Something we haven't really touched on is the soundtrack for Tron. Yeah. Which I find to be like too much synth. It's kind of unimpressive. Like I'm not paying attention to the music until I hear that da 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 from the right. video game. Yeah. It just all sounds like tootly, tootly, tootly on a synthesizer the, to the me. The Tron theme through. is iconic. The rest of it is forgettable. It is. But it did kind of fit the movie, I thought. I mean, I think the synthesizer sound fit the movie. It fit the world in the environment that they were trying to portray. But it was uninspired, yeah. yeah. But I think why it's forgettable is because what's not forgettable, the effects, the visual effects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That has got such an emphasis on it that... I think it was very difficult for whoever scored that movie to come up with things that could really punch through the visuals. The Tron, da -na 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 -na, that yeah. part could, and the rest of it was just like, you know, the mood music that somebody might play during a Law & Order episode. It's just <laughs> mood music. That's what, to, to that point, I didn't even notice there was a soundtrack until I heard the Tron theme. Like, oh yeah, yeah. music. I forgot that was back there. Because it was just all kind of tinkly, tinkly, tinkly. I'm sure there was more. I know I read there was like the London Philharmonic Orchestra played on it and whatever. But, mm. but there's nothing yeah. nothing in it that grabs me. There's part me. of that 17 million. Yeah, there's exactly. one. <laughs> Yep. I mean, obviously we can't remember much of it. So yeah, it yep. must not have been very good. <laughs> and on the soundscape, I thought it was really cool that like, and I'm watching it now, they, whenever there's like, there's not music and there's sound like footsteps or whatever. It's not mm -hmm. just like a, I'm sure it was hollow. They were in a big warehouse, right? They were clip, clop, clip, clop, mm -hmm. but they do something to those sounds of footfalls and people fighting. Yes. That it sounds like it's inside of a, a machine. It's like all, it's like a filter run they on it. They made them feel and sound electric. Yes. That was right. what I felt like when I heard mm -hmm. it. Good point. I agree. Yeah. Whenever I'm listening, like I was watching it just recently, like I said, and those parts, it wasn't until the Tron theme that the music jumped out at me. And it was when I started to hear those things, that the sound design in general jumped out. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that's doing something subliminal to me to remind me that we're inside of a weird environment. Mm -hmm. Like sound yeah. behaves Environmental differently. Environmental sound design, I thought they did a wonderful job. Yeah. Background music. Eh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, take yeah. it or leave it. Take it or leave yeah. it. All right. Before we get out of this segment, there's one other fact that I have to share with you that I actually had to check on three different places to make sure this is true. Okay. Okay. So either all three are wrong or whatever. All right. Playboy apparently offered to do a tie-in photo spread. Um, <laughs> with okay. Like, with women, like with like computer chips on their bodies. And stuff. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like with the actors and actresses no, from no, the no, film. No, with, no with, with their own Playboy people doing it. With Ladies like, and gentlemen, uh, David Warner holding uh, <laughs> you know, holding motherboards up or something like that. I got gotcha. you. So like Tron themed centerfolds. So mm. oddly, Disney declined. I'm not sure why. But. Yeah, like the like <laughs> Playboy used to have the the women of college like. The uh, women of, of SEC Florida West State or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. The women the, of the, Tron. The women of Tron. There's Jeez. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boss, where do you want to put this memory chip? Oh, you know where to put it. <laughs> oh, you know oh. there was a Tron porn somewhere. Uh, there was? Oh my I God. just watched it. There no, no I didn't just watch it. That's not true. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to think what the title would have been, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. There were space invaders, there was asteroids, and then there was Troll. The Sunday Family Film. Groundbreaking in its day. The science fiction cult classic. Tron. Tonight at 7 on Sky Premiere. It's fair to say that there is a tremendous legacy built off of the back and sweat and hard work of the people who made this <laughs> film and the film itself. Mm-hmm. There's no question that Tron has inspired a whole generation of computer graphics people, animators, um, special effects, uh, maybe not storytelling, although, you know, mm-hmm. it obviously had mm-hmm. a sequel and it even had a uh, sequel ish cartoon series, which yeah. was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about those. I'm just thinking, damn near two generations it's inspired at this point. Yeah, just absolutely. about. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. it's just incredible how much influence this thing had. I mean, Tron inspired John Lasseter, who was, you know, just a young artist at Disney at the time. It let him do a 30 second test with CGI backgrounds that they really loved. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he went on to, well, he, he owned Pixar for years and years, right? Yeah. Lasseter. Oh, he, yeah. yeah. He did okay for himself, didn't he? He didn't do bad. <laughs> he didn't do bad. Yeah, the thing that got me, I think Tron, it showed people that it was possible, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That you can right. do computers like this. Well, and- it showed everybody except for the Academy members, apparently. Exactly. apparently. those guys. <laughs> I'm still pissed about well, that. I acknowledge it was possible. It was just cheating. That's all. Yeah. But like, I just assumed it had won the award for that year yeah. until you mentioned it. Jesus. Yeah. Isn't yeah. crazy? Well, a lot of the beginning of the movie takes place in arcade. And so, you know, the things I remember the most about Tron are especially the first video game, the Tron arcade game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it came yeah. out. Yeah. So it looks like Tron. It looks like the inside of the Tron. Like the machine is black mm-hmm. and it has little pinstripes of then mm-hmm. fluorescent neon blue and yellow and red all over Even it. the control stick had yeah, the, the yes. trigger blue. joystick, yeah. That big yoke with a trigger and a spinner. And uh, the, uh, Midway put that out mm-hmm. in 82, the year the film came out. And oh, it was wildly wow. successful. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you, because I still play it today, I know it's wildly successful. You know, it was funny that there was a part with the spiders that wasn't yeah. in the original movie. So I remember seeing that in the arcade game thinking, where was this in the movie? The spiders were in, but not the scene where they're swarming around the but, MCP. But that, yeah, right. Because they, apparently that got cut for some reason. But yeah, so I was like, I remember mm. playing the game like, where the hell are these spiders coming from? I don't remember uh. this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. They, they did a sequel in 83. They did Discs of Tron, which was- I love that game. Was the yeah. disc throwing game. Now that one wasn't as successful, but I liked it too, George. Did you ever it. see the one that you got into? It wasn't a sit down. No. It was a stand up. No I, no, I haven't seen that one. So imagine like the Star Wars sit down cabinet, yeah, yeah, yeah. but right? it's like six foot tall. So okay. you, wow. you step inside of it, okay. and then the controls are in front of you, but you're standing at it. But there's a wall behind you with like a like smoked glass. People can watch you playing inside, but oh, you're kind of this cool. dark 
little dark world playing where everything is black except for the game, which was cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would, mm-hmm. I would, if I had real money and more space, that would be a cabinet I would add to my personal collection. Just that would of, be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just for the look. Just for the look of the it cabinet. Looked awesome. Because yeah. that would be <laughs> unique. Amazing. I mean, the Tron game itself was already unique. If you look at mm-hmm. games, there are very few that took on that darker motif. Maybe Tempest yeah. might be one yeah. of the yeah. other yeah. ones. Yeah. But really, Tron was kind of unique. And I don't know a control field that had that unique design that it did. A yoke with a trigger and a spinner. And a spinner, yeah. It's one of the main reasons why people lose their shit building a MAME cabinet. Because they're like, how am I going to play Tron? (laughs) I've got to have what it takes to play Tron and nothing else. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. And also, we can't forget, though, like, they did make a sequel. Oh, no. I'm not going to forget it. I really liked the sequel. Tron Legacy was awesome. I did, too. I liked it also. And I liked how it was a true sequel. Yes. Same mm-hmm. actors. They got everyone yep. came back for it. And I thought and they story they proved not the graphics, a reboot obviously. is your point, right? Not, not a, a reboot. reboot. Right. It was a yeah. sequel. Yeah. Thank not you. Not a for reimagining, that. a good, fair sequel. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first films where they did the whole let's de-age the actor thing to film some scenes that would have right. happened before when they did mm-hmm. with Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. and he's, you know, going off to leave his kid for the last time, as it turns right. out. I I really enjoyed how they still even with the sequel, found ways to push the technological envelope mm. as almost an homage to what the first film did. Yeah. And isn't that incredibly appropriate that the sequel to Tron would do that to push mm-hmm. push the edge of what's possible, just like the original Tron did? If yeah. that scene isn't successful, I dare to say you don't get the Leah scenes in the later Star Wars films after her death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah and for now sure. it's commonplace. Someone else would have had to tread that ground had Tron not done it. Yeah. 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 Uh, There was also that short lived animated series that I talked about, Tron Uprising. It was released in 2012. It's on Disney Plus. You can go watch it. I liked it. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that they didn't pick that up again, but it was it was pretty what's the right word is uh, cerebral, I guess. You know, it it was Hmm. it wasn't something like for kids necessarily because you had to really think it struggled to find an audience. Yeah. Mm. I never watched that one. Where does it fall in the the story? Is it is it a reboot or just something else in the same world or different computer? Where does it it's, take place? It's more in the Tron Legacy world. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yep. a couple of years after that, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, there is a rumored Tron Three. It's currently slated for 2025. Now, I say do take it. that with a grain of salt because that's <laughs> happened again and again. Tron 3 was supposed to happen like back in 2015 or something, but oh. that was right around the time that mm. Disney like got an influx of other properties, right? They got right. their Star Wars and oh, they got their- and, and they had spent a crap ton of money to get those properties too. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing was now they had, they just bought these big franchises. Tron was mm-hmm. a franchise that was theirs. They could do stuff with and now they're like, well, who needs Tron? We got Star Wars now. But right. you know, in later years, Tron is, I, I would venture to say it's one of those where its prestige has increased over the years as people mm-hmm. look back on it fondly. So now now they're looking at maybe a Tron 3 or a couple years out, which tells me it's not even begun production at this point. So that date might no. keep slipping. But I'd be curious to see what they could do with it because not all the people are still with us. You know, you you can only de-age so much. You got to get somebody that's not with <laughs> us anymore. That's tr- that's tough. But I'd love to see what they do with it if they do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that they are running against the clock, not just because of the people who are with us or not with us anymore, but also the fandom who would watch it <laughs> link right because yeah you know it's that's three years away you know almost two years away now as this podcast is released mm-hmm. but it's getting to the point where i'm like how interested i'm probably always going to be interested let's be fair but yeah. Yeah. am i really going to like muster up enough energy to get the younger generation to go with me and appreciate 
what I, I did because mm-hmm. when we go to see sequels now, we're talking about these things being the 40th anniversary or the 35th anniversary of a thing. <laughs> yeah. When they come out with a new sequel or version or reimagining of the thing that we loved, when you want to introduce it to your children or mow your grandchildren, mm-hmm. you have to take them back to the original. You have to yeah. show them that first one and mm-hmm. get them to understand why you love that so that they can appreciate the new one a little bit more. I'm wondering how many people are going to be able to do that because that film, unfortunately, gets more and more dated every yeah. day of technological advancement. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think most people could make a fair simulation of Tron using their iPhone today. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of frightening, but yeah, absolutely. They it could. wouldn't be all that tough, but yeah. Well, and just the people who would be around to champion it are starting mm-hmm. to fade out. We hit the 50th and 60th anniversary of some of the things we love. It's going to be a slimmer audience who's going to care that it's been 50 years, 60 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you got to strike while that iron is hot. Before we get out of this show, we've all talked about how much we appreciate and admire, in some cases, love, in my case, admire, right? <laughs> Tron <laughs> itself. <laughs> Uh, but real quick, I'd like to do a roundtable. Just quickly ask you, is there a favorite part or scene of Tron that when that when that part hits the screen, you're like, all right, here's that part. Like it's the thing you most <laughs> like. Why don't we start with you, Mo? Is there a spot in the film oh, that yeah. just does it for you? I mean, there's a lot of spots, but I remember as a kid that the spot that things happened, I was like, oh, was not the motorcycle, the light cycles themselves, but when they kind of grab that bar and lean forward and the light cycle. And they like squat right into them. it and it yeah. happens around them. Oh, I yeah. saw that and I was like, holy shit that's amazing <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing ever I want a light cycle for Christmas I know exactly right now, right I, now. I just want to hold a bar out and have a light cycle mm. take the pony back give me a light cycle <laughs> yep <laughs> Yeah, for me, I want to say it It had to be when Flynn commandeers the recognizer. Oh. oh. So for two reasons. One, that's the reason I watched the film. I told you it wouldn't be the first time somebody dreamed of being inside an arcade game. I can't tell you how many times I wished I was jumping barrels in Donkey Kong. That was me doing that. <laughs> right. And so here's Flynn. Literally, we saw him in the arcade playing the game with a recognizer in it. And yeah. here he is flying a real recognizer <laughs> inside of the thing. And I just saw a little chase scene where the recognizer is in pieces and it, right. it, it hits walls, it, it comes apart and goes back together. He's that having to do scene. his magician hands yep. outstretched to right. pull it together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's just an amazing scene because it's it's the fantasy that I watch Tron for. It's like, ooh, I'm in the computer. Mm-hmm. I just, I, when I get to that part, I'm like, oh, here we go. This is the good part. <laughs> what about you, George? Favorite spot? Yeah, I mean, oddly related. Uh, I mean, all parts of this are going to be related because it's the same movie. Yeah. But uh, my favorite part was really as an 11 year old person who loved video games, the scene where Bruce Boxleitner and his uh, compatriot go to see Flynn in his arcade, because that's the life he had to live because Mm -hmm. he got kicked out of the company, but -hmm. his true love was video games and them walking through that arcade. Mm. And then he had the little balcony apartment that he had to live in because he didn't have any Mm -hmm. money because the company guy had screwed him. For me, seeing the games in that scene that I love to play, it was mm-hmm. like each one of them had their own cameo, like a famous movie <laughs> star might in a film. Oh, okay. And I really, really <laughs> loved that because when I could hear the sounds of the arcade, it's John, you've talked about it in other situations in Gen X Grown Up, YouTube, podcast, whatnot. When you hear the soundscape of an arcade, if you grew up in that environment, mm-hmm. you don't hear a blathering of noise. You know exactly every yeah. video yeah. game sound yep. that you're mm-hmm. hearing and you can tell somebody probably 90% of the games that are involved in that soundscape. And that's what I could do with this movie. Mm. And I remember my mother took me to see the film. Dad would have nothing to do with Tron. <laughs> when we were in the theater, being an 11 year old kid who doesn't understand 
quite the movie rules. I immediately, mom, that's Donkey Kong. Mom, that's Pac-Man. Mom, <laughs> she don't care. <laughs> but to me, it was my friends had a cameo in the movie, mm, yeah. and then him having that apartment. That'd be a dream. Oh, apartment. I wanted to live there. So bad. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no, it's funny you brought that scene up because I mean, when I rewatched it, you know, mm-hmm. to pre- prepare for this, that scene probably took me back more than any other scene. I mean, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. <gasps> the arcade, like you said, the sound. I, I imagine it was, those floors are sticky. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> uh, I mean, just like you said, George, just like I could pick out the individual games in it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. I just love watching that again. I always imagine when I when I we talk about like the sound of an arcade that crazy just loud noise. I imagine people talk about like how a dog can pick out a scent at one part per billion. <laughs> right. Like my ears could pick out, like I can nab Pingo in an across mm-hmm. the arcade. I'm like, oh, I heard Pingo. I know it. You could pick it out because you've just spent so much time with it. It's it's my super smelly dog scent <laughs> feature, but I have it for <laughs> arcade games. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tron. Still, still today. We go back and watch it now. I mean, I, I said early on it wasn't a my favorite film. By no means does that mean it's not an amazing film to watch. And part of our Gen X history, part of the thing that we love yeah. here at Gen X grown up and well worth a rewatch if you haven't in a while. I know George didn't have to rewatch it for this because he probably rewatched it last week and the week before last. I've watched it Mo, twice probably- this year so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been, it been a few years for me, so I caught up with it, but uh, I definitely have a renewed respect for it, if nothing else. Still have those flashbacks to when it was a little confusing, <laughs> but I get it. I definitely get it. <laughs> Before we get out of this show, I do want to take a second to thank even more amazing people who chose to support us and pledge financially over at Patreon. You know that we spend a lot of time lately doubling down on Gen X Grown Up, trying to create even more content for you and do it better. And a couple of new folks, John S. became a brand new patron. Thank you, John. Nice. Jamie O. also jumped in through his hat in the ring. Thank you. And I got to call out Aaron C., Captain Kiwi, over in the Discord server. Longtime supporter of Gen X Grown Up. And premier member of Turnbuckles and Territories. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. (laughs) No, still is. What do you mean was? Quit killing my show. (laughs) Hasn't even started yet. It's not 40 years (laughs) old. What are you doing? Yes, he is. He absolutely is. Along with Barry, the guys. He just, for no good reason just said you know what you guys are doing great he increased his pledge to us just out of the blue didn't have to oh, wow he got nothing more for it other than continued and increased yeah. support for gen x grown up that's just the kind of that's the kind of dedicated fan base and audience that we attract and i couldn't be more proud of the kind of people that gravitate toward the kind yeah. of looniness we have here uh, so yeah fantastic if you would like to join these folks please head over to genxgrownup.com slash patreon it's really easy to do a buck a month three bucks a month you know cost you less than Renton Tron, honestly, and you'd be helping us out. So. I don't know about that, but okay. I don't know. It depends where you rent it, I suppose. It depends, it yeah, yes. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the show. Don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack, and next week is the standard edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you we all appreciate most of all, though, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. That is coming your way December 22nd. You don't want to miss this one. Or any of them. But this one, especially. No, but this one in particular right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
asking George if he's okay with arguing with somebody. <laughs> I know, I know. That's right. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I'm going to pull a muscle I haven't used in 37 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's bullshit. Oh, I'm better now. Okay. All right, here we just stretching out, huh? you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, can we argue a little just to warm up? <laughs> End of line. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.